0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me. Hope everybody had a, a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Enjoyed times with friends and family, and if having some success in the outdoors. Uh, I know I will be out there as well. Uh, stay safe and have good success. My guest today is Carter Hamill. He is a a young man, still in high school, but he has uh, set some goals and he is putting in the work to get it done. He has a YouTube channel, he has a a media company, and uh, he is grinding it out. And the conversation was great today. Uh, I met him at the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show, he was hanging out in the Della Bay booth, um, which... He's in good company for sure. Those boys at Dela Bay, Nate and Sam, are awesome and make a great product. Definitely check out Dela Bay. Didn't mean to put in a Dela Bay commercial there, but there you have it. I uh, have some of their rods; they're awesome. Anyways, uh, on this episode, you know, we kind of get into the the meat of you know making YouTube channels and you know looking at the numbers and the frustrations that you can that can come. You know, the mental games that you you play. Uh, I found this conversation to be very inspirational. So if you're sitting on the fence and you want to start a podcast, or you want to start a YouTube channel, or your TikTok, or do it, whatever the thing might be, uh, I think this is a really good episode for that. Uh, it'll tell you what you kind of need to concentrate on and not concentrate on and just uh, enforces the idea that you have to put in the work. You know, you can't just say, hey, I want to do this, sit on the couch, and think things are going to happen. You got to get out there and do it and if you do it you'll be rewarded with success at some point in time and it's probably going to take longer than you think (laughs) a lot of people start podcasts a lot of people start youtube channels and they just don't follow through that is not the case with carter he's he's doing it he's putting in the work and i'm sure good things are going to happen to him down the line as long as he stays on that path so this is a great conversation i think it's uh very inspirational he's a good dude you're going to enjoy it so this is the full scale outdoors podcast with carter hamill (music) Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Hey. Oh, I love that sound. This is a good one. the podcast sir yeah thanks Great. for having me appreciate good, it good morning and, and merry christmas eve <laughs> yeah you as well <laughs> this, will, this will come out after christmas but yeah, right on nothing but uh chilling on a friday morning right before christmas and you're yep. going fishing today i am i am i'm
2: gonna go out uh, get the backwaters of the mississippi that it, they finally froze over here and it's tend to be pretty good fishing so i'm gonna go out <laughs> and film a little video and uh just hang out with a couple of my buddies.
1: Oh, very nice. Well, introduce yourself. Let everybody know who you are and what you do.
2: Hey, everybody. My name is Carson Hamill. I run a I run a media group slash YouTube channel called Hamel Outdoors. Basically, it's just uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's an outdoor channel, hunting and fishing. Started it January of two or twenty twenty. Um, Initially, the channel started on ice fishing, and then as open water came, it grew into open water tournament fishing, stuff like that, and then as, as fall arrived, um, we transitioned to hunt videos a little bit, and now I'm just kind of working at it, just uh, trying to upload as much as possible and create the best quality content I can.
1: Is And uh, most of this on YouTube?
2: Yep, yep, most of it is on YouTube. I do I do a little bit of TikTok stuff here and there, just kind of little teaser videos or just kind of... Um, clips that I think I, I think are cool, but they're not not cool enough to make a full video. So they just, stand up, <laughs> not just cool kind just kind of there, not cool enough. Yeah. Just cool yeah. enough for TikTok. <laughs> right. <on. laughs>
1: well, it seems the the metrics, at least the what I'm reading, it TikTok's pretty important uh, player in the in the media game right now.
2: It is. It is. I still don't 100% understand how it works because some person will just upload a video of some something pretty random, and then uh, it'll get. A million hits or whatever but and then some people put um, a lot of time into a video and it'll only get a 100 views so it's a, yeah it's I don't... a really powerful platform but it's really it's really weird the way it works
1: yeah literally anything can go viral on there which is cool i mean you know but also confusing like you said like i don't get it. like i'll have something come across my for you page and it'll be you know especially if it's a famous person right which right. Okay, they already have a built-in audience, but it'll be like it'll be their first TikTok and like they just created it. They have one post and it's still like some ridiculous amount of numbers and f- like followers. Like how did they get that? I mean, I understand that you're famous, but like when you make something the very first time you put it out there, you don't just immediately get 80,000 followers. You know, right. <laughs> like
2: how does that work? I don't I don't I don't understand. Right, which the the thing that I've kind of understood with it is TikTok famous or TikTok fame is a whole different ballgame from, like, having, like, a million subscribers or having, like, two million followers on Instagram because that's more of a – you kind of have to grind to get there and kind of keep uploading and get good content out there. As a TikTok, you can make a video of whatever, just some stupid thing you and your buddies do ice fishing or something, you could – and you can get 100,000 followers or something crazy like that which which I think is really good for building brands and YouTube channels but it's also it, it's also it, it can be tough with trying to get the views like I've I've struggled a little bit I have a couple of videos that got like a thousand views or whatever which basically is not anything on TikTok because you know some some get millions so it's yeah. been, it's kind of more fun than rather but than it's pre- I mean I mean a thousand
1: I mean yeah a not like anything to it's not the numbers that we're talking about, but a thousand isn't bad. I mean, I haven't, right. I, mean, I hardly ever post. That's the problem. And, you know, right. I haven't had anything anywhere near a thousand. So, <laughs> it's, but I, I need to be better overall at, at getting content. You know, I do the podcast and I it just hit me today. And I don't, you may have seen the post, but I was like, oh crap. I just did a, I just uh, released a, an episode with Steve Panass and didn't even. And didn't even put it out on like Instagram or Facebook. I'm like, what the hell's matter with me? <laughs> like, one <so what>, <laughs> yeah. of the bigger names I've had on the show, and I'm just sitting on it. And I'm like, oh crap, I gotta make a post this morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's my thing with videos as well as, as I'm trying to figure out because there'll be some YouTubers, especially out outdoor channels, that will uh, sometimes they'll just release a video and nobody and he, he won't post it on um, Instagram, Facebook, none of that, and then they'll get. You know, ten thousand viewers, or there'll be some people that like myself that I'll plug my channel over and over and over, and then then with the stage I am, they just you just only get two, or three hundred views, which is fine. And I know YouTube's a grind, but it's just it, it it's kind of weird how that works, and it's and yeah, getting know.
1: into getting into the. And I don't want to sound like a detractor because I I for sure am not. Like I, I I want everybody to you know do well in their endeavors and chase their dreams. Uh, and I've always heard. And and maybe this is just one of those negative things that people just like to say because people like to be dicks. But um, right, I've always heard that like you know anybody trying to start out with YouTube right now you're like you're you're too far behind the eight ball. You know it's you got the numbers you need or blah 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 and it's just all it's all negativity honestly. Right. So I actually uh, congratulate you and taking that you know like not giving a shit and just going for it. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, Dale. Which, which, what I've, what I've kind of found, and the reason why I made my channel Hamel Outdoors and the brand and all that jazz Hamel Outdoors rather than like Fishing with Carson or something stupid like that. And so I can build it more as a brand rather than just an individual. Sure. So. If someone's so like maybe someday I want to get into guiding, right? Then it can kind of plug, you know, handle Outdoors Guides or stuff like that. Or I have I have some clothing stuff that I kind of play around with. So then people, I got I got my logo on there. So it's not just one person doing it. So it's kind of a more more of a brand rather than just just a YouTube channel. Right. So what was the like? You said you started
1: in 2020.
2: I did. Yep. So... January. I think I think the first couple of days of January of two thousand twenty was my first my first video I put out.
1: And when you've put the, did you have an intent on making this a thing when you put your first video out, or were you just like, oh, I'm gonna make a video?
2: Or so is this something that you have
1: been contemplating
2: for a while? I've always wanted to do YouTube for years. Ever since I was little, I started watching, you know, Sobe and Jay Siemens and all the big time guys when I was little. And I've always wanted to do a channel. But my biggest thing is, is I never had cameras. I never had a computer to edit. I never knew how to do any of that. So then as I got older, it kind of, kind of dream of doing YouTube kind of fizzled out. And then uh, last winter, at the beginning of last winter, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a YouTube channel, but I have no idea how to edit. I have one little (laughs) camera. I have a GoPro. That's, that's the size of a quarter. It's just that real tiny little cube one. And luckily I remembered that my uncle, my uncle Jason that lives on the East coast, he does uh, film production for like movies and stuff like that. Oh, and wow. so I, so I called him and I was like, Hey, I want to start a YouTube channel. He goes, okay, I can help you out with that. So my first video I ever filmed, I just sent a bunch of junkie raw clips to him. And I go here, can you please make this into a video for me? And he did. And yeah, he slowly, but surely he taught me how to edit and I just kind of took with it and ran. And that, and at that point at my channel, I just want to do it for fun. Now I've kind of transitioned to where I want to do it for a career someday.
1: That'd be awesome. I mean, that's, yeah,
2: that's, that's, a, the, that's a lofty career goal
1: for sure. Right. Um, have you, like, what, what are your steps? What are your motivating steps? Like, do you have, you know, short-term, mid-term, long-term
2: goals? So my... Uh, my kind of my big goal for the year was hit a thousand subscribers by January 1st and then I was going to do a giveaway for my subscribers and then I just I kind of take every hundred at a time because I believe last week I just hit 400 subscribers and then so the next goal is going to be 500 and then after that after we maybe hit a thousand eventually someday maybe, maybe we go to um Twelve fifty, and then we go to fifteen hundred. Just I want to, I want to try to keep my goals small, so I don't try to upset myself. Yeah, I mean, small
1: attainable goals are important. That's why, you know, you know, a lot of people, motivational speakers, or, um, you know, uh, business insiders or entrepreneurs, you know, they'll they'll tell you to make, you know, you want achievable goals, but have your, you know, your large goal, you know, as the big carrot to drive you, but you need these little attainable goals because you need these victories to keep you charging it's a it's a huge mental game
2: oh yeah it, most definitely you know the the most upsetting thing with youtube is 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 i'll edit a really good video i think and i'll put hours into it five six seven eight hours plus fishing just editing and and then, and then it only gets on dates which is which I understand because I'm little and I'm not I'm not a Sam Soby, I'm not a Jay Siemens none of them none of them guys I mean they could they could just put a video out and walk out them fishing and it'll get twenty thousand views oh it's for different. sure yeah I mean it, it's a whole different game when you when you're at the stage that Hamill hey, outdoors myself are currently yeah
1: and honestly my advice to you would be just don't even really look at the numbers right now right, I mean. Right. <sighs> The overall, I mean, go ahead and you know, obviously look at the numbers you're going to see them when you post or when you open, you know, open it up. But um, I wouldn't worry too much about it because, like you said, it is a grind, you know, and, and I know exactly where you're coming from. It's when I started this podcast, oh, shit, what is it, three years ago now? Good Lord, right. get a hobby. Um, <laughs> get, a, get a life. Jesus, been doing this for three years. Um, it, I the, I know exactly the emotion you're talking about. Um, Because it'd be the same thing. You know, you'd put something out and he was like, you know, 50 downloads. You're like, God dang. Like, I thought that was a pretty good podcast. But, I mean, right. it, it, just getting that word out there. People don't know who you are, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, getting a clothing line stuff like that, which is something that I was the part of my original goal and still would like to do that sometime, you know. So I was all fired up about it, had my logo, thought it was cool printed out you know got a bunch of hats made and then you know an offer of a sale and and i couldn't sell any of them Whoa, well, right and because nobody knows who i am i mean it may, uh, i didn't know it at the time i was getting frustrated but why would somebody want a hat with my logo on it they don't know who i am right <laughs> like, does.
2: and my thing when i when i do my merch and i sell it is people people in, in my school and in my grade think it's really neat that i what i do and so I'll, I'll put a little post on Snapchat or Instagram, whatever. Hey, I got this sweatshirt that's gonna cost this much, and 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 I've actually done fairly well with merch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I did sell a, a few of them. You know, usually it's you know friends that. Well, and part of it's my own damn fault to be to be brutally honest, because somebody like, hey, how much are the hats? And you know, if I'm good friends with them, I'm like, oh, here, just have one. You know, like I feel guilty yep. charging them for them, but it's like. I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, they were willing to support me and give me the money and that money would have gone a long ways. You know, right. it's like, right. That's, Let and, people and help my, you.
2: <laughs> that's my thing with it is I, I feel bad for charging some of my really close buddies, but at the end of it, you're, if you, if you give them a hat or you give them a sweatshirt that puts such a negative withdrawal on your, on your business, trying to make someone of a profit on it. Right. And you know, because the word spreads, you know, because I because I've got six or seven best friends, and give give one guy that. Oh yeah, then then how come I don't get one? Right. Then then it turns in you got to give seven people sweatshirts. So
1: <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I chalked for me, I chalked it up to inner uh, advertising. You know, I'm like, well, it's just marketing cost. You know, just get get the name out there and what else, You know, what else? But that doesn't even really make sense because get the name out to the people that already know you. Like that, you know what I mean? It's like, What? Is right. that? what the, I, yeah, I should, probably should have sold them, but I didn't. But you know, live and learn. It's whatever. But now, now again, now I'm three years into it. Now I do have people reaching out, and they do want some merch. And so now I got to get off my ass and make that shit again. And <laughs> might actually sell some this time around. But What's that? We'll see. I don't. we to. I need to. But my the problem is like, the thing for me is like I have this big grand scheme for merch. It's like not just hats. Like I want. <laughs> You know, really good sweatshirts and fishing shirts right. and, and stuff like that. And
2: then my first thing is these. This is my big dilemma with making merch: is these guys like Sobey just came out with a merch line and he has over sixty thousand views. I don't. It's it's a hard dilemma to deal with, is because at the stage I'm in, and it kind of helps that I'm in high school yet too, but most of these guys that like for Jay Siemens, for example, I don't think he actually has a merch line and he just hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Right. And I'm, and and I'm just here with 400 and I have hats and stuff, but it's, it's kind of a growing thing. And, and as I'm on the boat or I'm at boat ramps walking around school, people see my logo and they're like, Hey, what's that? Has your last name on it in big, big blocky letters. And they're going to, they're going to wonder. And I, and I think that's also helped a little bit i have i have um, my logo on my truck and stuff like that and i'll be at a boat ramp and load my ice fish and stuff or dump in the boat in the water people oh yeah you make youtube and i tell my channel and i actually i have little business cards that have my socials on it and stuff like that so i think i don't know it's more of a growing rather than oh yeah this is cool right
1: yeah well i mean it's good to have those cards for sure i mean i, you know, I printed i you know i Man, apparently I was shooting for the moon because when I first made my business cards, boy, do I have a lot of them! Damn you, Instaprint! <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
0: <laughs> I have I, so
1: many cards. I still, I'll find a random stack in a box somewhere, and it be like 200 of them. Like, good God,
2: how many of these did I buy? Yeah, I ordered uh, I ordered a thousand, which, which I keep. Um, like for an example, like you'd seen, I had them at the show, so I, uh, I was handing them out to people there. I went through quite a bit there, but I think I still have eight or nine hundred left. Something like that because I ordered like 2,000, but I don't know, they're nice to have once you well, once you order them in a big bulk, then you're uh, then you're set for a while, so
1: they are definitely nice to have. And uh, yeah. doing those shows early that's a that's a smart move, like that's something I didn't. So, my first year I was just grinding it, you know, myself, and then um, the one year I think it was like two years ago, <clears throat> yeah, it was the year before last because I we didn't have a nice show last year, um, I just I Grab my podcast stuff, put it on my back, and, and went to the show and just started talking to people. You know, see, hey, you interested in an interview and whatever? Oh, it wasn't the Ice Show. I think it was the, the St. Paul Sports Show. That's what it was. Okay. And uh, only, I think I, I made a couple of connections to do podcasts later, and then I ended up doing a podcast there at the show. Um, And that was really cool. And just the people that I talked to, you know, shaking hands and, and getting some FaceTime with, it's like I left there going, yeah. I should have been doing this right from the get go, and right. and now I've been doing them, and I, I just more confident than ever. Like you got to put in your time, you exactly. know, with with networking, and I mean real, true networking, like meeting people face to face, having these conversations. Because it seems like, you know, the it, how do I put this? You know, it seems like the outdoor industry is like this club that's hard to get in, but it's really not. You just have to, you just have to do it. You just have to immerse yourself and get in there. They're accepting. They're accepting of anybody. It's not like a, uh, an elite club. That's really hard to get in. You just got to show other people that you're willing to work and, and do it. And, and by, um, committing to these shows, you know, that puts you in that same mindset of all the other people that are working that show that aren't fishing that weekend that more than likely would be rather be fishing or hunting or whatever. But they're not. Yep. They're working the show. And so when you're working the show with them, they see that and they understand that and they're then you know, they're more willing to receive you and talk to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which which I actually got two of my uh my sponsors for this ice season at the show i got uh the boys over at p3 and then i the one that was right next to the Bay booth lake effect so they're they're super nice guys i kind of mingled between both of them companies and they're and, and it was really cool like you said just to get connections and network and frankly i i would have never even met them if uh right of that show and and i and i've been going to the st paul ice fishing show since i've been nine or ten years old but i've never this this past year was my my first year actually working a booth and actually, you know, when when you're going as a as a bystander, you you talk to people, but it's not like you're not talking business or talking fishing or none of that. Right. So it and, was, and
1: you were hanging was, out with the Dela, at the Dela Bay booth. Um, I was. And so how do you know, uh, Nate?
2: So I've been I've been on the Dela Bay pro staff team. Oh, gosh, I think it I want to say a little bit over two years now because I was on the pro staff course, okay. YouTube. And I've, the first time I met them, me and, me and Nate kind of go back and forth this, but I believe it was the Blaine ice fishing show a couple of years ago. And that's, and that's when I was just, you know, 12, 13 year old kid that, that wanted, that wanted to drop some serious coin on a really nice ice fishing rod. And I was going back between De Bay and tuned up and Elliot and, and all them. And, um, I got in contact with, with De Bay and then they uh, made me just, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was the pan sizzler was the first ride that I got from them um paid full price for it, everything and loved it and for the longest time i would send nate pictures or stuff like that and i'd be hey this this rod's awesome and it took me a long long time for them to trust me at a young kid to be on their pro staff team because any fishing company gets all these all these kids my age that say hey i'll post about you this week or i'll feature you in this video and then they never do it right my biggest and then i remember this word for word what nate told me because he 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 goes it's sweet that he started a channel but there's so many kids that start youtube and then they kind of fizzle out which personally i don't think i've lost that quote unquote fizzle <laughs> yeah so i don't know i try to upload at least once a week this ice fishing season i'm going to try my best to bump it up to two videos i talk about Delibate in just about every video that i put on at, at least i'm starting something new on my channel um called tackle talk which i'm just going to talk about what i was using on that day you know whether it's walleye fishing or sunfish fishing or whatever um big pike fishing stuff like that hey i got this delibay rod i'm using this reel with it this this pound line this type of line this jig either right. with them or whatever and then um the boys over at lake effect will like that as well and uh recently i just got on the pc fun um real pro staff so that's pretty that's pretty sweet so sweet yeah it's is definitely important and you're
1: right a lot of people think they can you know just you know and they're fired up about it but they don't realize that it's actually work you know it oh. looks like a fun thing to do and it is it is um you know and i'm i'm including podcasting in you know whatever your product your whatever your thing is whether it's youtube videos or podcasting or whatever because i mean there's literally millions of podcasts out there and probably a million a day start up worldwide you know it's the I was just listen to Joe Rogan. They brought the numbers up. I don't remember what they were. They're staggering, staggering numbers. And they're just growing like crazy because three years ago, there really wasn't that many. There's a yep. lot, but not near. I mean, it has, it has blown up. You know, everybody and their brother has a podcast now, but they don't last because people just, they don't stick with it, yep. which, and- which is fine. I'm not like, Guilting people for not doing it because some people are going to try it and they'll be like, yeah, you know what, this isn't really for me. I don't want this commitment. And fair enough, you know, I'm not not saying everybody has to do it, but whether it's a podcast or whether it's a YouTube channel or whatever that thing is, like you have to grind at it. You have to keep going, and it's the only way to get it out. Only way to get the word out there. I mean, I'm three years into it, and really, in my opinion, it was just this last year where I really kind of feel like it's picking up some really good steam.
2: Right. And which with you doing podcast, media, and YouTube, I feel like we're kind of chasing at the same thing in a sense. Yeah, we both oh, for sure trying for it. We're, we're both trying to upgrade whether it's your audio equipment or stuff like that. And I'm trying to upgrade cameras, stuff like that. I recently, just got a drone, so that's going to be sweet for the videos. And and yeah, my biggest thing is is I don't I don't try to look at the numbers, but like you said, it's kind of hard not to. You know, when you yeah. put all this time. Right. Like, oh yeah, I didn't do that, but but I've kind of kind of refreshed my mind, and I it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just gonna keep on trying, making the best quality content I can, and we'll we'll see what happens after that.
1: Yeah, when I say don't look at the numbers, obviously you're gonna see the numbers, but right, I'm don't like concentrate on the numbers. You know, I mean it is important to look at them because you might notice something about okay, when I do this or this style of video or whatever, I seem to get more. So you can kind of use that to tweak and, you know, um, streamline and maximize your, you know, YouTube, whether, you know, but then it's up to you to analyze, like, was it, what was it? Was it the cover art that got me more clicks? Was it, you know, are they watching the video all the way through? You know, those metrics are important. You do have to look at them, but don't get obsessed with. You know, I, I think the real problem comes in when you start comparing yourself to others, especially if you start comparing yourself to others that are already way ahead of you in the game. Like right, that's just going to seem like an unsurmountable challenge. You know what I mean?
2: Yep. And so i I talked to Sobi quite a bit. Um, we're gonna. Um, I've I've kind of I try not to cause I watch his videos obviously cause I like him and I enjoy the content that he makes, but I also watch him to see what I can improve on, on my own videos. And I kind of, I'll, I'll kind of call myself the filming style kind of, kind of like Sobeys, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily watching his videos to judge mine and compete with him, but I'm just kind of watching. Hey, I like this transition. I like the way that he did this camera angle. I like how he did his drone shots on him. stuff like that, which I think that I can, that I can always improve on my videos. Cause not, nowhere near is my videos as good as any of the big big time YouTubers right now it's just it's at a stage right where, where i need to keep my mind open and constantly improve on my videos to uh to get the numbers that i need right it's like you said it's just a grind and you, yeah, need to
1: you do you have to, it, it is a grind and it's um it's it's, it's entertaining the muse i'm not sure if you're aware of that term but there's a, there's a book and I recommend everybody, whether they're trying, you know, whatever they're trying to get into, it's a really easy to read book. I don't know if you're a book reader, you know, you can get it audio on tape. It doesn't really matter, but it's called the war of art, not the art of war. That's very important to make that distinction. (laughs) The The art of war, the art of war is totally different, but the war of art, it's a, it's a small book, but it is a powerful book. It is, um, it is written by the author of, um, the Legend of Bagger Vance it's an old well it's a book in an old movie about golfing um, but anyways he goes through his creative process and, and it's just it's very very good book and very inspirational because he talks about so the protagonist and the antagonist in this story the, the antagonist would what he calls the resistance so that's like The thing that's keeping you from your goals and your dreams and most oftentimes it's yourself right you're putting these blocks like oh I need to do this or I would start this but I need a better camera or whatever the excuse is that you're telling yourself but it can also be other people that are trying to keep you down and then the protagonist being the muse and the muse rewards you when you put in the work you know it's like a lot of people will kind of say hey i want to do this thing but they don't really put in the work and then they'll sit back and be like it's not fair that this thing isn't happening or i don't really get the breaks and they look at somebody else who's who is you know they're they're getting some success and to them it just seems like stuff is falling into their lap but i guarantee you it's not you know they're they're putting in the work and they've probably been putting in the work for a long time and now this stuff is happening and the interesting thing about the with that muse is when it starts happening, like, it's just like a light bulb goes off and you're like, Oh, I get it. You know, cause I've heard a lot of people, you know, be interviewed about how do you get started in the outdoor industry? And they almost all say the same thing. Just do it. Just start doing it. You know? And it seems like such an easy throwaway line. Um, but it isn't, it actually, it, that's exactly right. Just, you just got to do it. But, it's also harder than it sounds that makes it sound like super easy oh i'm doing it how come i haven't made it well you have to do it and you have to keep doing it and you have to keep doing it and you have to keep and you have to do it when you don't want to do it and you, you so you just you have to do it and if you keep doing it you'll you'll notice that doors start to open
2: right on yeah and and, and i agree with everything that you said which i know i know for a fact because me and soby have talked about it you know he he did youtube he's been doing youtube for four or five years now the first three and a half years he didn't get anything for views he was getting videos that were getting two to three hundred views and and he he said at one point that he was getting upset with himself because he was putting all his time into these videos and they weren't getting hits but then he just kept stuck with it and now and, and and now look at him what he's accomplished in the fishing world is is, is pretty phenomenal i mean he's he's definitely a really really phenomenal angler and he is really good with cameras and really good at heading and i'm just and i'm just slowly picking away at at Growing handle outdoors into into hopefully someday something like that and and I try not to get discouraged with myself and just got to keep grinding like you said there's some days where where I don't want to edit this video but I know but I know I have to to get get the video up at least for something something on the channel um but I kind of I kind of slacked off a little bit here in this in the transition between open water and ice fishing it was kind of tough to get to get content out that wasn't that wasn't silly and no one wants to watch it so it's, <laughs> right. there was a there was a couple days where I went ten. 10 a lot of days a lot of upload which i kind of kind of beat myself up for it but it, it is what it is and i and, and it's kind of a fine line between making a making a video and then making a good video you know someone's not just want to see you sit down and watch you do whatever about fishing but you know when the, when the ice wasn't quite yet safe yet but the but the, uh, the ice was thick enough that you had to put the boat away and you can't do any open water fishing it's it's just a every if you watch every YouTube channel they they kind of go through that kind of drought month and it's and it's the same thing same thing happens in the spring in that March that March to April that kind of that kind of drought in there where there's not really any good good areas to get. To get content out, which come this spring, I'm going to do a little bit more turkey hunting videos rather than just kind of sitting and waiting. Which I which I did try to do turkey hunting videos here this last spring, but things didn't really work out. And every bird we tried to chase, it kind of got within close enough range. And then at, at last second, it just kind of darted away. So that was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's the thing with outdoor media, right? You can you can be prepared and you can do all the things, but you still have to the, – the game has to cooperate. <laughs> you know um and you know not every everything has to be a success you know i think meteor has done a pretty good job of of showing some of their failed hunts you know it's like not everything is successful you know i, th- yep. I think that's an important uh thing to include as well you know um one thing i don't know if it works like what you're trying to do but like for me i try to have some you know not necessarily backlogged, but I, if I know I'm going to be doing something for a couple of weeks, I'll try to get something out, you know, ahead of time. Like I'm, I need, I'm going to have a busy week this week. So I need to, you know, get three podcasts in because I'm not gonna be able to podcast for the next two weeks. So I, and I want to, you know, consistency is the key and I want to make sure that people have a, an, an episode because when I do miss an episode and it does happen, um, you know, like my, my little you know, Mondays or Tuesdays, as you release a recap and rant, just a short little. It's exactly what it is. I just recap what I did this past weekend, and then I'll talk about some outdoor news or whatever. Give my opinion. like kind of a monologue type of thing. But if I don't do anything that weekend, what, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> you know. Exactly. So there's sometimes I don't put that episode out, and um, and then sometimes scheduling doesn't work. Like with um, Nick Johnson, we do a waterfall Wednesday together. And sometimes that doesn't always get out on Wednesdays and it, it bothers me, but sometimes, you know, life happens and it doesn't doesn't get out. But what I do know is when I don't get those out, I'll get messages from people like, Hey, where's this week's blah blah blah? You know, and you're like, Sigh. You feel bad, but it, it's also good. And you're like, Okay, well people are actually paying attention. This is pretty sweet. So it's kind of good motivation. And the fact that you feel bad when you don't release something is very good. That that's a good sign that you are that you're motivated to
2: to keep it out there. I think you have to right. have that mindset. Right. Which, uh, which in them drought once a couple people have asked me at school or messaged me on Instagram and they're, Hey Carson, why, why haven't you done this and this? And then, then like you said, yeah, Hey man, life happens. You know, there's, uh, there, there's that fine line between making a, making a really good video than just making an average video. And, and, right. and I, try one of my videos, the most, so all my videos, the most action packed that you possibly can, you know, whether it's, walleye fishing or bluegill fishing or hunting deer or shooting ducks, whatever. It's just, I try to, I try to make a video that I personally would sit down and watch. And that's, and then another thing too, was that timeline or or the whole time of the video. no one's going to want to really sit down and watch 23 minutes of hunting or fishing unless you're, unless people trust you and they know that it's going to be a good video, which, which my videos over 20 minutes, I've, I've struggled with them because people personally i don't i really don't watch a whole lot of videos that are over 18 to 19 minutes Uh, every once in a while i'll watch one of jay siemens because because like i said i know that it's going to be a good video because he's a good he's a good editor and he's a good fisherman and he's just you you know that videos can be rock solid which at me at my stage people you know if i make a ice fishing video or a walleye video where it's where it's 25 minutes long people usually aren't going to watch that unless it's unless it's more of a kind of a vlog over the weekend then then I've had a couple videos that I've done good, but uh, my biggest thing though is when it comes to the views and all that is my fourth video I've ever produced, it got 1.2K views. And I wish personally that that never happened <laughs> because I look at it and every other video is not even relatively close. I've got sure. a couple that I – that I've gotten six, seven hundred, but other than that, my fourth video ever, and I still nitpick that video and I go, What happened in this video? That is so good. The quality on it I think is horrible because I didn't have big cameras, I didn't have none of that fancy audio equipment like I do now. And it was shot on two two cheap two hundred dollar GoPros and people they loved it. And I just it was just some simply walleye fishing on the lax. It wasn't I yeah, I caught a slot fishing it, but other than that, it was just I was catching 18 to 20 inch walleyes and and i mean i caught a lot of them but personally i don't think that's the best video on my channel content wise and people love that video so it's still kind of it it confuses me of how that of how that got on the youtube algorithm and it's just i don't know
1: yeah and that's (laughs) that algorithm thing is weird right uh, it's i think we're kind of at the whim of it at times you know and and i don't know what it is obviously if i had some sort of gem i'd give it to you freely but i have no idea like what makes something click within that algorithm where youtube is like all right we're gonna we're gonna put this on a bunch of different people's
2: pages it's like what i don't i don't right and the way I, I've talked to a couple of different YouTube creators about it, and it's, it's something about some mathematical equation. It gets a certain amount of views and comments and likes in the first hour of its upload, and then it just kind of keeps kind of snowballing, or or just snowballs into it. Just kind of gets buried, like most people when they're out making making their first first YouTube videos, and 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 that's the biggest thing is is that's why you're going to want to stay with it, is because. You know, it, it next or the next video I upload, it could get 2,000 views or, or it could get 200. It's just, it's a gamble, but it's a it's a big gamble, but I'm willing to take it, and it's what you need to do to make it to make it especially in the YouTube industry. Which for me, I obviously I want to make YouTube full time someday, but if it comes down to it, I'll, I'll I'll work for fishing companies, stuff like that, just do stuff on the side, and then do YouTube, you know, for the good portion of it, you know. Right working maybe working with Delabay a little bit more maybe working with these jig companies a little bit more stuff like that mm-hmm. like I said I I'd like to get into guiding someday I feel like that'd be kind of fun and pretty cool you get to fish every day and you get to take people out fishing that probably have never really caught big fish or maybe they have and they're just looking to looking to do it again which I think that'd be a really fun experience just I want to get more more confident in my fishing abilities bec- before I jump in and have somebody pay a certain amount for to go out on the lake so I was, I was thinking maybe starting out when I'm like 2021 possibly i was talking to uh joel nelson is a big um big ambassador in the fishing world he lives in my hometown and uh we we talked back and forth quite a bit about you know making it and stuff like that which he's obviously a well well well-rounded established fisherman ice and uh open water both so he's he's been kind of helping me back and forth with with youtube stuff and getting my name out stuff like that but he, he started his career with doing online kind of blogs about articles, stuff like that, about hunting and fishing and cooking stuff and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely still have my own struggles as far as, you know, what I want the brand to be and things I want to do. Um, and it's, it's priority. And sometimes you got to roll with the momentum, too. So, like, when I first started, it was going to be primarily focused on guiding. And then the podcast was just kind of like the side thing that I was going to do to promote the guide, you know, like, wasn't, it definitely wasn't the main thing. And then I noticed it was the podcast that actually kind of grew some wings and started taking off. And for whatever reason, I was a hard time getting my foot in the door in the guiding world and fought it and fought it, fought it. And then finally I just like embraced it. I'm like, all right, well, if the podcast is a thing that seems to want to live and breathe, I'm going to give it food and oxygen, you know? So I've, I've been dumping uh, most of my time into that and haven't done much of guiding at all now I still will you know as as clients come across my my feet you know come to me or whatever but I'm not really like super actively going out and,
2: and getting them so right and you're and, and you're not plugging around everything and putting your blood sweat and tears and getting people to pick come out with you fishing and stuff like that
1: right which you know depending on who you ask my brother being one of them uh, i should be doing that <laughs> and you might be right I mean i probably need to do put more and by saying put more emphasis on it like would be to put any emphasis on it i often like lose myself in the shuffle and I'm, now that i have have put so much work into the podcast you know i don't i don't like honestly it slips my mind you know and plus i'm a competitive ice angler too so like i'm coming up to a super busy time where if i'm not fishing a tournament we have you know four weekends and i'm fishing frankies there's five events i'm pre-fishing or scouting the other time now obviously if somebody calls me and wants to go fishing i'm going to take them fishing and going to go make some money that day and i'm going to have to sacrifice a day of pre-fishing and scouting but um part of me is like mm, don't promote it too hard because <laughs> because i because i i want to do well in the league so
2: right so you don't want to you don't <laughs> right. all the back and forth because
1: to- i know <laughs> i will take the job if somebody calls me he's like hey i want to go if i was planning on pre-fishing this sunday uh, which I am, but somebody calls and says, hey, I'd like to book you for a Sunday. Well, I'm going to take that job, you right. know, uh, which means that I'm not pre-fishing or scouting Sunday, which means I'm probably going to have to take a day off midweek to go pre-fishing scout, right. and then there's another day I'm not making any money. So it's it's definitely a, a an odd balance, but probably should be promoting that a little bit more. <laughs>
0: right.
2: But with with me as far as youtube is is i try not to get so caught up in cameras and stuff editing stuff like that where where i don't continue to improve as an angler just Mm -hmm. as an average angler because some some people including myself i've gotten so caught up in trying to make a good video that that i'm like what am i doing i'm just throwing these random baits down down this ice hole that are personally don't think I'm ever gonna catch a fish and I'm just trying to do something different. But at the same time I still need to keep keep with an open mind that I'm that I that I'm still young and I still have everything to learn about fishing and and cameras and stuff like that, which I know, I know an all right amount for open water fishing and ice fishing, but I just recently got into tournament bass fishing. And that's totally new to me. This past season was my first season. I fished as a co-angler in the back of the boat and I I had an absolute blast, but I still have a bunch to learn about bass fishing because I've only been seriously bass fishing for three and a half, four years strictly. And, um, these past couple summers is when I, is when I first got into my boat, cause I got my license and I've been kind of bombing around the lakes and I and I still have a bunch to learn. It's just, I kind of an open water fishing. I, I get a bait that catches my first couple fish in the spring and that's the bait I throw all, all summer long and it, and it catches fish. I just need to learn to use different baits and how to rig them. And so, so I can get confident in other baits rather than just one or two. That tournament fishing is fun though, ain't it? Oh, it's a, it's a blast. <laughs> it's it's expensive, but it's, it's super fun. I was going to fish a Wednesday night league um, with one of my good buddies in my boat. And then I was going to fish the club that I was in, but I've, I've kind of decided I'm just going to fish that Wednesday night league and just kind of fish for fun because tournaments are fun. And if you do well in them, but they, they're also, they also cost a lot. And I personally, I think it'd be a, better for the channel to go out and fish in your bodies of water, talk to people a dig for different tackle tips, stuff like that. I go up to my buddy's cabin, hang out with them a little bit more. I don't want to get so caught up in tournament fishing that my YouTube kind of starts to slide off. Cause I'm mm-hmm. fishing a tournament. You don't have time to mess around with big cameras. You get a, I, I filmed with a GoPro on my chest. I did a little intro at in the beginning of the beginning of the, uh, the day run film all the way to about noon. I did a little update then, and then all the way till weigh in, I ran a little, ran a little film and I, and I was kind of bad about weigh-in film or filming weigh-ins and, I kind of kicked myself for that, and I never really set up a camera or nothing like that. But at this point, I didn't have a big camera. I only had GoPros that I was running, so I just figured I'll do a little recap at the end. And, and I just think that the tournament videos, when you're, when you're at a club level trying to compete and not – not piss off the boaters with <laughs> mess around with the camera like who's this idiot disturbing me in the back right. of the boat <laughs> so i i tried to kind of keep talking to a minimal on the on the tournament unless the booters cool about it which most of them are but you know you get to some grumpy older guys that, right oh, what the hell is this kid doing so, <laughs> what uh excuse me what what club were you fishing with uh the lunkers the lunker squad dan lunker probably squad. The one who runs it so yeah, yeah. i mean Guys are super, super chilled back for the most part in there. A couple of times they had a couple. I think they'd be pretty oh, used to that
1: because I know a lot of those guys, you know, do GoPro their events, you know.
2: Yeah, which the, the thing that uh, like probably half of them do GoPro, but none, none of them do anything with the footage. So I always sure. ask Michael, so you got this GoPro running on the front of your boat all the whole time. What do, you, what do you do with the, the clips in there? Well, I used just watch it, then delete it. So I go, you sit in your you sit in your house and watch hours of fishing to recap your day and you do nothing with the footage. They go, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, teach their own. <laughs> I, I, I'd rather watch, you know, six, seven hours of fishing and make it into a 15 minute video and put it on YouTube. But I've, uh, uh, one gentleman himself, a bowler, his name's Tyler Darrow. He, he just recently started a YouTube channel. So I've been kind of talking back and forth with him about that, but it's, it, it, it's more so just kind of like clips rather than full videos. It's just, sure. I mean, whatever, if that's what he wants to do and that's what he enjoys, hell, have at it. So it's, uh, yeah, I always thought that was kind of funky. There was one uh, one gentleman named, uh, what is his name? It's Trey. Trey Fails? Trey Fails, yep. Yeah. Uh, I've had him on the podcast. He's a cool dude. Oh, did you? Yeah, he's super cool.
0: Yeah, Trey. I, Trey's <laughs> Trey. A super nice I've been guy. trying to
1: get, been trying to get him to join because we had talked on the podcast. Like he's like, "Oh, I thought about doing tournament ice fishing, but I'm not quite sure." So I've just been in his ear, like trying to get him to join Minnesota Made because we still have one spot. Everybody, there's one spot left for the Minnesota Made 2022 season. Get on Trey, it. find a partner. Super fun. Buddy. But yeah, Trey's cool.
2: Yeah, he's a super super nice guy. But that's one of them guys too that. Um... He might he might yell at me for saying this, but he he always had cameras on him. And I Trey, what do you do with the footage? Well, I don't know. I just kind of I kind of out for a day. And I'm like, for what? Get that video out, man. <laughs> he, he always had you know he'll have a chest mount on, or he'll be talking in the parking lot about stuff. And I don't know. He, he he does a lot of Facebook and YouTube and TikTok stuff, but at the same time, I never really see any of that any of that footage. You know, he'll have a little bit here and there on TikTok for a little teaser to yeah. uh, where he, where where well in tournament trey is a phenomenal angler he won angler the club and yeah um, that's very cool but as as far as issue i think i'm stepping away from the club as far as um for now i might i might come back in the next year but i just want to really really focus on this summer about making two to three videos a week on open water fishing whether it's i'll obviously have that one tournament video because i think the league that it is there's either it's either every wednesday or every other wednesday night which is which is perfectly fine i'm, I'm new to a boater i've only fished one tournament in my boat i want to learn i want to i want to be get good at being confident in myself that i can go out and catch the biggest five that i can so as far as the club is very competitive but it's it, it also doesn't take away the factor of these guys are like your family so, Oh, okay. yeah i Totally it's good. fun and, and and i know if if i walked in there with, with when i was 18 or i'm gonna be 18 here in january and if i walk in there and i'm gonna get my tail just absolutely whooped and i know that that's gonna discourage me a little bit and then i i, I don't know what would happen. maybe it'd pushing away from tournament angle and maybe it would just feel feel the fire to do harder which you probably probably do a little bit of both but i mean the, these guys most of the guys in the tournaments have been fishing tournaments in their own boats for 25 15 years something somewhere in between there and there's a there's a lot of a lot of phenomenal anglers in that club
1: my advice for anybody that wants to get in tournament angling is for sure try it um the other is don't think you're just going to waltz in and and start winning there's people that have been fishing tournaments for their entire lives like you're just not going to come in and beat these guys you know what you're doing is it's i i like to tell people think of it as um you're paying for education continuing education you know if you if you really want to learn how to to bass fish or walleye fish or whatever the thing is, get into it competitively because you are going to see the tactics that are the most efficient. You know, people aren't just they're not just going to go into it casual. This is not sitting on a sitting on a chair with a cooler beer next to you type of fishing. Right. Like this is these right, people exactly. have a set amount of time to go get the biggest five fish they can. And so they're going to use the most efficient methods possible. So the education that you're going to get in the back of that boat, you can't, I would say you can't buy it, but you, you can by joining these tournaments. Um, but just don't go into it thinking, I hope we win today. You know, go in, give it your best you can. Maybe you get lucky and, and might win one, but you're there to learn, you know, yep. the, that first season or even first few seasons, you know, especially as a as a co-angler.
2: Yep. And that's, and Dan Fabiano, I got in contact with him about this time last year. And I knew I, I I've always wanted to fish tournaments. I grew up watching Scott Martin on TV and why well, I watch his YouTube channel, Fairmount. And I knew tournaments would be a blast and I knew I could learn a lot from it, which I did. And I had a lot of fun and it was, it was a super fun season. I, uh, the Mississippi river was the first time I ever got a check. I was like, Holy crap, this is cool. I got money from fishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's well, not cost the word. just not going to, we're not going to add up how much it cost me to win this check. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stuff
2: like that. But it, was, it was cool. I got a couple hundred bucks in my pocket, and I thought it was really neat. I, my first cast of the day, if you guys want to go back and watch that, I believe the videos, Mississippi River, blocker Squad video, something like that. So if you guys want to go back and watch that. But first cast of the morning, I caught a four-and-a-half-pound smallmouth. Oh, auto. hell. So I hooked into this thing and I'm like, what is this? My boater didn't even have the trolling motor in the water yet. I just kinda walked up. I was, you know, still wiping the wiping the tiredness out of my eyes and I threw threw a swim bait out there and wet. Just absolutely smoked me. So I was fighting this fish for probably five minutes, threw that thing in the box and I was all jacked up. I've never oh, even yeah. <laughs> a smallmouth over four pounds it was just an absolute huge huge fish and from then on i told myself that i need to learn how to fish that river confidently as a boater as a co-angler you don't really have a whole lot of worry you know between running the boat and knocking it up on rocks stuff like that but right i mean i only live 15 minutes from the river so i need i want up this spring i'm gonna learn learn the river the best i can and and i know a couple of people in my hometown here that uh they do walleye fishing but you know i could um kind of learn the learn the river system from them and it's it's a it's a challenging body of water and a very very intimidating body of water but it's a really really good fishery it's
1: definitely intimidating i mean that was kind of my thing you know so my club had it on our our list last year too because we always you know we always put the body of water that the um toc is going to be on in our schedule as kind of a built-in way to pre-fish it or whatever and i had never been on it ever so that was brand new to me to break that down and and uh So, we, our club fished it twice, and then you have the two days of the TOC kind of limit all four days. So, I was pretty happy about that.
2: Um, Yeah. Look, it's a very intimidating body of water. My, uh, this past summer was my first time ever fishing it um, ever in my life. And it was, it was definitely an awakening. You got to deal with current. You got to try to stay on the uh, the spot you're fishing. You try not to bump into the buoys, stuff like that. It's, but it's, you can, you can get into some real gold fishing that. It was, it was a super fun day my uh my boulder was super cool between you know jumping the jumping the five-foot rollers coming off the barges with the <laughs> yeah, bass boats yeah. out, it's 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 definitely a adrenaline rush not not so much just at the river but just tournament fishing in general which i have I, i've learned to uh to love it and i think I'm, I'm jacked up for this open water season but like i said i don't want to get so wrapped up into it that my video on my channel start to kind of fall off as as you're going around. So because, yeah, and you how know. does,
1: how does that, that, I mean, I'm sure that's in your psyche. So like when you're going out, especially if you're with the express intent of, of getting content to make a video, you know, how much of what you're doing is, is built around the video itself is like all of it or 80% of it. You know, it's like, obviously you want to catch fish, but you also have to keep in mind the light level, the light direction. Yep.
2: So what I, what I try to do is if I'll, uh, Let's say there's just a submerged island out there and, I, and I'm drop shotting a deep weed line, right? And so I'm going around fishing this, whatever. I, I'll usually have my camera off at this point just to try to find a decent spot where I'm catching an all right amount of fish. And then I'll angle the boat away from the sun to try to not get that sun glare off the water onto my camera. Mm-hmm. So that it, it's kind of more that spectrum which is which is very difficult to stay in that spot because right now i have a trolling motor that does not have spot lock and that is an absolute pain i fish malaxa quite a bit and trying to stay on a rock pile when there's two three foot rollers uh. coming over Deck, that is horrible brother
1: but, you don't have to tell me i don't have spot lock and i curse it every time i step on that boat uh-huh. <laughs> every time i look to my left and i look to my right and i'm the only one without an tricks, i'm like Furr. yep, my <laughs> so my
2: Altrex, but both my raptors are coming this uh oh nice so i uh i work at a tackle shop and uh we are finally able to order some in so
1: i'm yeah, uh, i need to i definitely need to upgrade this year big time
2: i work- I bought it. I bought it most out of frustration because I've been on Malax, and you're sitting down there getting pissed pounded by waves, and they're pushing you all around, and it's it's not a lot of fun, especially when you when you know that there's a school of smallies sitting on this exact rock pile, and you can't get there or stay on that spot for more than a couple casts. Oh yeah,
1: I mean I kept. Catch- deep jigging you know or drop shotting or whatever on a you know a deep weed line or something and it's windy you know you finally yep. get in a position you finally get up to your waypoint and and the fish are just stacked right underneath the boat and you know that if you just get you know the right cast or you're in the right spot you're going to just pound 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 and all, all great you catch one you fight it you Call it you know maybe you got to put on a beam whatever however many seconds minutes go by but then that wind just blew you off and now it takes you yep. however long to get right back on that spot that's all lost time fishing i mean that that exactly. spot lock is so invaluable and here i am yep. struggling without it i
2: hate it <laughs> yeah that's my biggest thing is just too is because if i want if i want to get into tournament fishing i don't want to have to sit there and try to fight and try to disadvantage myself because all these boys got power poles or raptors or well, talons and they all got all trexes or all taros and all that. You
1: know, to all that, to that, I will say, don't let that be a barrier though, because that that would mean I because my boat's not set up that way. This would mean right. this would mean if I if I let that stop me, like oh, I don't have the right equipment to compete with these guys. I wouldn't be competing. And I wouldn't be learning. And listen, I've taken some W's in my club, you know, with with the equipment that I have. So.
2: Right, and I'm not, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying that that it's discouraging and pushing away from tournament fishing, like, cause, cause, like I said, I have fished a tournament in my boat without spotlock. Sure, it was, sure it wasn't the funnest thing, but um, we did we did decently all right. Obviously, didn't win it, but we obviously didn't get last. It was it was a pretty fun day, um, but yeah, I just with spotlock and all that, all the new technology, it just it just adds a little bit more to to be able to stay on that to stay on them fish, especially when you're fishing offshore stuff. 100 percent, it's it's gonna help for sure. But um, yeah.
1: it's not the only thing, you know, when you the can uh, do it, the it.
2: when the Raptors and the power poles and all them come into handy. I've seen my buddy Connor O'Connor do it a bunch. You're, you're flipping docks. You find four or five fish under the under the same dock and you can drop them and you'll be sitting there skipping and flipping and you, you can get under that dock rather than just moseying on by.
1: Right. Yep. And. Oh, no. Call failed. All right. Hold tight here. What is going on? Let's try this again. Asked Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Just, just dropped the call. So, all right. Yeah. Anyways, the yeah, the spot lock. I mean, th- these are big tools, but they're not everything. I just don't want somebody out there that's been on the fence, that's been thinking about joining the club or doing whatever, just because you don't have those things. Don't let that stop you, because you're just passing up on information. You're going to learn a right. lot, you know, right, are you right. fishing the most efficient possible? No, you're not, but you can still do it. I mean, I, I've, I've won a few lakes now with the the crappy ass equipment that I have, and I don't have giant graphs. You know, I have a, um, I think I have a hummingbird, you know, I have the sevens on my boat and I have an even smaller one up front. I have a seven in, in, in the console and I have a little tiny five up front. Do I want better electronics? Yeah, I'd love to have 360. I'd love to have Garmin LiveScope. I'd love to have a bigger screen. But these things all cost money, so I don't have ten thousand dollars to drop on electronics and equipment.
2: Right. And 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 personally, I mean, I have um, I, I have Helix nines in my boat, but they're but they're the Gen two models, so they don't so they don't run 360. And I like you said, I would love to have 360, but it's just it costs a bunch of coin. And with me, I have to buy a different electronic to run that because only gen threes and up run them so but you know the 360 is a grand and then another another sonar and obviously you don't want to get some puny little sonar to run this 360 because you're going to want a bigger screen to see it right. you know you're at least want to get at least a nine inch screen which is another three grand on top of 2,500 three grand so it's just all these things are they're expensive, they they help, but like you said, it, it's it's not the deal breaker whether you're gonna fish a tournament or win a tournament.
1: Right. You know? And I and I wanna point out too, it's like again, like I'm not trying to I not am not trying to be braggadocious or anything, but like going back to the Mississippi River, you know, with the T O C, you know, I, I pull up, you know, you, you launch your boat and you wait there for everybody to launch their boats, and there's a hundred other boats getting in and literally look to my left and look to my right, and it's just a line of these decked out boats, you know. Yep all have all trexes all have giant screens you know three four five screens power poles, talons everything you know they're just they're fully decked out and here's my little ragtag you know oh one ranger needs new carpet needs new seats the the bunk trailers are going to shit my little tiny electronics nope no shallow water anchor system at all and uh it's easy to let that get in your head you know but i just went out and i fished hard and yeah i didn't win but I, I felt like I was competitive. I, right. I literally brought in a limit each day, and there's a lot of guys that can't say that, and a lot of guys that had way better equipment than I do that can't say that. So, yeah. you know, you can't let that, you know. <laughs> the funny thing about that tournament and even my club, it was during my club I found out that it was pool four and five. I thought it was just pool four. So I spent zero time on pool five. Like, <laughs> zero like, a whole, like, miles of river I don't even know, uh, know anything about. <laughs> it's like, well, and so I didn't, I, I as the same thing as kind of like managing expectations or coming up with a plan, it's like, well, here's what I do know. This is where I've learned in my club tournament. So come TOC, I'm not going to worry, bo- worry about pool five. I'm going to fish this stretch of river the best I can. I'm going to break this down. And I think it actually played better for me because it didn't be, didn't become this huge thing, you know. I broke it down into digestible morsels. You know what I mean? Like right. I think it actually helped me in a way.
2: And and, and that's the biggest thing which I've found out with fishing big water. Not not so much just looking at tournaments, but also just looking at as a fishing standpoint and trying to make a video. Malax, for an example. People I, I fish Malax a bunch in the winter for walleyes, obviously. People always ask me, Carson, how do you break down that body of water? Well, I look at my map, I look at the area I'm in, and I go, "Hey, this mudflat looks good. Hey, this rock pile looks good." You can't, you can't look at it at a, at a whole body of water and go, "Where do you start?" You know, you want to, you want to obviously get out there, and then you look what's around you within the next, you know, half mile to a mile, right? Right. And with with the river that's that's also it's a gigantic body of water it's intimidating it's but you have to break down these bodies of water to more seasonable parts that that doesn't intimidate you mentally right rather rather than just sitting there and freaking out oh my gosh this this river is so big and there's so many different nooks and crannies but i mean in reality you just need to go out and fish it and and just catch fish (laughs) on it i mean it's it sounds easy but it's it's really not and that's the way that i kind of personally break down i've like i said i've had a bunch of people people ask me how i break down big bodies of water and that's just that's how i break it down mentally rather rather than just going out and you know just going to a random spot i just i really look and see what i can what i can what i think is going to hold fish especially for ice fishing because you know there's a lot more stuff rather than a boat you know you go out drive out there um through a trailing motor i'll make a couple casts with to fish there for half an hour and not catch anything, but as an ice fishing standpoint, if it's really snowy, it can be a be a pain to get out there. Then, you, then if it's windy, you know, then it's not feasible to sit out and uh, sit on a pail and jig. You have to set up your shack, you have to drill your holes, you have to get everything banked, get your heater set. For for me, I got to get my camera set up, stuff like that. And you know, if you put all this work in, you fish in there for two hours and you don't get any any bites or any fish on camera, then then it's just two hours wasted. So I really try to put, especially on a lax, I try to put really. A lot of time into going out looking before I get everything set up and get situated for for filming purposes.
1: Yeah, and you know my advice for breaking down big water is pretty similar. It's um, it's really what you're doing is you're eliminating water. You know, if you if you know what kind of structure is holding fish, and you look at a, a lake map, there's usually large chunks, vast areas that you can just block out of your mind. Like when you're looking at a lake map, you're looking at Malax Lacs. There's this big, giant round lake, right? You're like, yep. how? Oh, how the heck? Well, but the fish that I'm finding are between eight and 16 feet of water on underwater points. All right. Well, next time you look at that map, you know, you can, the whole middle part of the lake, you know, 30 feet mud flats would well, don't even look at those. So yep. now what you're looking yep. so so now you've just trimmed this lake down by 90%, you know, and then from there you can refine it even more.
2: Yeah, which is which is super nice with the with the maps that hummingbird has is, is if you're hearing it, people like telling you, hey, like you said, you're catching them in 19 to 20 feet of water. You can type in that exact uh, that exact depth and it will and it'll highlight on your charts, you know, OK, th- Yep, these are, yep that's huge. Go- and, and and with my Garmin, it does something quite similar. I run I don't know if I told you this, but I run a Garmin Live Scope for uh, ice fishing. That's my main unit that I run. And with the with the maps on Garmin, you can do something not not quite personally, I think I think Hummingbird has the best maps by far. And Garmin obviously runs a Navionics and you can do something similar, but you you can still find, you know, if you're at the resort, people are, the old timers are telling you, hey, hey, you're catching them at 25, 25, there needs to be mud. So, okay. You put that in, whatever. Then you drive out to your spot and, and then uh, look around and hopes, it hopes there are fish there. So,
1: yeah. And I do the same thing like Navionics, just even on my phone, like I'll put the color shading in there. Yep. And that helps too. Um, You know, I use that primarily for ice fishing and for our club tournaments, same thing. It's like, okay, we're finding fish in this, range so now you know i already have them color coded i don't really mess with it but i look like okay they're in the pink so when i look at that whole lake map i'm just concentrating on the pink zones all the other right. colors don't even matter at this point you know and i'm just keying in on that one little thing but that's one way
2: to break down water yeah it's uh it definitely can be uh can be intimidating but it's also really really rewarding and 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 i've always told everybody is as, as anything fishing wise i don't know a bunch but i'm also i'm always willing to help somebody not necessarily give you my exact coordinates that i'm catching oh well, yeah <laughs> but i'll but i'll certainly help you i mean if i'm on mille Lacs, hey i'm in the mud flats of mille Lacs, i'm out fishing you know if if you have any questions shoot me a shoot me a dm on instagram i'm more than willing to uh to help anybody out that that wants to go out there and catch walleyes because because it's a blast and i know every every ice fisherman wants to wants to catch a mille Lacs walleye it's a it's a pretty decent trophy you know that that lake is pretty pretty covered up with uh slot limits and stuff like that but i mean there's there's trophy there's a bunch of trophy walleyes in there i mean it, it won't surprise me someday there's a 37 inch walleye that gets pulled out of that Oof, lake
0: that'd be a it's giant
2: a, it's possible it, i mean i mean it, it realistically if you think about it, there's hundreds of thousands of walleyes in that lake and a bunch of them are people i've never seen you know i mean yep. there's they're big old fish that are just i mean I'm sure there's a state record walleye sitting in that lake somewhere, maybe even a world record, you know? Well, we know
1: there's a state record. Well, there was a state record muskie in there. That got plucked out. And I know, I've talked to multiple people that say that that they've personally caught and released fish bigger than that. And I know the DNR, I think they found a a dead one that washed up that was bigger than that. So there is definitely record fish in that lake. It it is quite a fishery. Um, I've heard the state record. Smallmouth has been caught and released a bunch of times. Um, You know, there's... Giant crappies in there if you know where to look. So the, yeah. that lake grows big fish. It's definitely possible. It,
2: well, it's a well, it's a big, it's a it's a flourishing body of water. I mean, anything—bluegills, crappies, walleyes, muskies, smallmouth, largemouth. I mean, there's there's all potential because that that body of water is just a fish factory. That it it has the potential to growing state record fish. And back to going to what you say about that washed up muskie. My buddy Mason has a cabin up there. That we stay at a lot and then he also has a skid house on hunter's point there and um his dad actually seen that that um not actually actual fish but he's seen pictures of some that some guy took about that it was like a 62 inch muskie that washed up on yeah, shore it was huge yeah. he said he, he said the base of it looked like a garbage can i mean it's <laughs> a huge dirty fish and it's like oh my god just you wonder what's what's swimming along in that lake
1: yeah there's there's giants and and that's the thing, and to catch one like that, it's like everything just has to fall into place, you know. Exactly, that fish, the mus- your lure has to be in front of that fish the minute it wants to eat, you know. And those yeah. big fish don't eat a lot, you know, they eat like one big meal once a week, and yeah, and which they, and they feed for five minutes that day and they eat and they're done. So it's like so much has to go right for you to catch that fish.
2: And that's my <laughs> I, I have one buddy that's huge into the musky fishing, loves it, always wants to do it, and he, Carson, come musky fishing yeah, me. Like, yeah, I'll try. I've run of the gear for it, and uh, I'm sure I've never caught a musky. I'm sure it'd be an absolute blast. I've seen I've seen a bunch of videos, a bunch of pictures, and they look like they're gorgeous fish. But I just I don't know. I just never really got into it. I just kind of grew up bass fishing. And I mean, if someone comes up to me, if some big musky guy comes up to me and goes, "Hey, Carson, want to go musky?" I'm sure I'll come. I'm I'm not very good at it, but, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a whirl i'm 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 game for just about any any fish that swims and puts up a good fight so i, mean, I like
1: catching different things you know I, I was big into muskies for a while and then you know got you know was big into bass then got back got in the muskies and then kind of got back into bass and you know you kind of to some extent you kind of got to pick your poison and and what you know if you want to excel at any one thing you know it's kind of the problem of being a jack of all trades versus you know a specialist as you're right. only ever going to get so good um down you have to concentrate on something but yeah with that said i like catching all sorts of stuff i love checking off a new species on my list like right now i really want to get down to miami and and catch all those exotics they have down there you know the the clown knives and the peacock bass and the mine cichlids and all that snakeheads all that stuff i think that'd be so cool
2: yeah i want to that's definitely my bucket list to catch a peacock and one of them uh one of them clowns it'd be it'd be fun and and i think it'd be a blast i just don't really know anybody that that that's down there you just i just need to jump in and i'm actually going to mexico here in february and Ooh. i met uh I, I went down there last year because of covid and all that we uh we couldn't go till april but anyway it was still uh still a blast i met a good captain i i gave him a hat <laughs> down there so he thought that was pretty cool and then uh we we've kind of keep in touch here and there so we're gonna go mahi mahi and tuna fishing here and uh in february i haven't told anybody that so i guess this could be my big reveal so
1: be... a <laughs> big reveal that that'll be fun
2: I will be doing a saltwater video. I have one on my channel right now, which just was kind of garbage because I didn't have my big camera. So I'm bringing my drone. I'm bringing my big cameras. I'm bringing my GoPro. So it'll it'll be fun. I'm hoping we can uh, get some big fish like that in a boat. And uh, he, he catches a bunch of them down there, and he'll, he'll cook them up for us there. Mahi's, um, yeah.
1: Mahi's fun. It's delicious. I have yet to catch a tuna. Well, no, it's not right. I've caught blackfin tuna, but I haven't caught the big yellowfin or bluefin.
2: Yeah, they got they, uh. Every once in a while down there, they'll they'll run across the yellow fins. I hear, but it's more it's more black fin stuff yeah. because you know they're it's more tropical waters down there rather than. They're fun though yeah. those black fins. Oh, man,
1: well even like even the bonita, the false albacore, those things are. But we got we got into those this this fall down in South Carolina. God damn it, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually gonna have. I was talking to to go back to Dela Bay. I was talking to them. I'm Want to have them make me a custom uh, bonita rod because like the. Well- we got on them out there and they're like none and we're using our flats rods and they kind of sort of well obviously they worked because we caught fish but they, I, the whole time i'm fishing with them i'm like there's i need something different because it's not right. it's not getting the spoon out as far as i want and then when it's like too too whippy and then when i go to set the hook i'm not getting a good hook set because i have you know kind of a hard mouth yep it's like yeah i need i'm gonna have a custom bone eater rod made up That'll. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it'd be super cool. I mean, those guys, a uh, huge shout out to Della Bay. They man that they, they damn it, they make good rods. I mean, that's just quality rods. I mean, you got, great dudes. Yeah.
2: They're Nate and Sam are phenomenal guys. If you guys are in the in the market for an ice rod an open water rod a fly rod, whatever, they can make it for you. They're total custom rod company, handmade in Elk River. They're uh they're phenomenal dudes. Best rods I've ever used and I've used I've used every custom ice rod under the sun i've used i've used them for years and hands down delabay is the lightest they're the most durable and they're just they're just phenomenal dudes and they're and they're just great people
1: yeah super yeah i agree with everything you just said and one thing i always want to uh remind people though is that you know they have their lineup like if you go to delabay.com and you look at you like their list of rods yeah you can order one of those but they are custom so like if you you know right <laughs> now they're running the you know the orange and black color scheme well if you want a different color just let them know you know they'll make yep. you one
2: it's that, that's the thing though too is is they'll uh let's just for an example you want you want a crazy 42 inches is the biggest custom rod they can make if you want a 42 inch ultralight they'll sure as heck make it for you if you want custom wrap colors done they'll uh they got two grip options for now that they'll do a full cork and a real seat and they're just their rods are it just it amazes me what they can make and it's it's, it's just phenomenal. I use them every time I go off. Yeah,
1: they, they do such a good work when you're, when you're holding it, when you're looking at it, it's like, this is like a work of art. Like that's so it, good. You know? Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's one of the pieces that you just want to hang up in your room or you up in your office and just stare at it. You yeah. don't even want to I use mean,
1: it. there's like the, the closer you look, you know, to get that fine detail, the more you see like, Holy crap. Like that, like, there ain't a single flaw on this rod. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. It's like, every time I get a rod, um, I, I always look at the wrappings just to, it just amazes me how precise and how perfect that rod is. And it's, um, it was, it was, it was at the show and Nate was looking at these rods and, and, Everything looked perfectly fine to me, but he was looking at him and, and he said that th- this rod needed another coat of epoxy. So he took it off the the shell rack and put it back in his rod case, and he goes, yeah, I'm going to have Sam put another another coat of epoxy on here. And I'm looking at this rod, and I go, it looks perfectly fine to me. <laughs> yeah, how, well,
1: they know how what to per- look for, I guess.
2: They want their rods to look, and – which that's why I truly like elevate is because they're not just out here trying to sell you a nice rod. They're trying to sell you a work of art that is handcrafted right. and they literally weigh virtually
1: nothing. Oh, they're so light. Yeah.
2: Without a reel on them, they're, they're nothing. It, it just feels like, I didn't I don't even know what to compare it to. It's just something that's like a piece of paper in a sense. But it's a nice rod. Yeah,
1: and I love their tight line rod that they added this year. It's just awesome because it, it is super oh, light yeah. and now you're putting a schoolie reel on there that doesn't weigh anything and it's just like it's you and the fish, man. It's so much fun. It's effective, yeah. You don't always need the tight line, but it's just a fun way to fish. And then when you're fighting the fish, you feel everything. It's like it's your hand and that bluegill or that crappie and nothing else. It's like it it's so much fun. I love it.
2: Dale, I'll uh, I'll admit when you when you showed me that schoolie rod at the show, I'm like, what the hell is this? Never <laughs> even never seen one. I'm like, what is this stupid little thing? I go, I use I use my pants as a well to catch catch crappies. What do I need this thing for? And then I got one, and now I understand everything you're saying. Them things yeah. are a f- blast. Man. Wait,
1: yeah, when you start catching fish on it, you're really gonna know. You're like, God dang it, this is fun. It's like, what do I have on here? A pike? Well, I just uploaded a TikTok. It was hilarious. Um. My buddy Joel hooked into this big fish last weekend and he's fighting and he, we thought that it was a walleye or a northern or a bass or something big. He's back reeling on this thing and we get it up and it's a bluegill. Now it was a nice bluegill. It was like a 10 inch bluegill which is very nice and they do pull really hard but it it just speaks to like the fight on those on that schoolie setup is just like you feel everything, so it just feels bigger than it is. You're just like, oh my yeah. god! And so yeah, I mean, I made a funny TikTok out of it, but it was still a nice fish. It was a hell of a bluegill.
2: I would love to catch a walleye or a pike on it.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to make a video of catching a smallmouth bass through the ice on the schoolie rod, I got a spot for you.
2: Ooh ooh ooh! I'm down. <laughs>
1: We did it last year. It's so much fun. Broke off a few times because they get down under cover. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much we can drive right to the spot and do it. So it'll be a pretty oh, easy video.
2: That that'll that'll be a blast. I've my buddy Mason have talked me and him have talked about it. It's like where do all these smallmouth bass bass go on Malax? Right? There's how many of them in there? It's a world class smallmouth fishery, but no one really catches them in the winter. Yeah, you and... catch one here and there. Yeah, every once in a while you hear about them, but it's not like anybody's going to an exact spot and pounding, pounding smallies, right? I mean, it'll, and and, that, and that's what I think would be an awesome video is finding them a lax, them hibernating smallmouth that, that aren't really eating, you know, that much. you know. Well, they do
1: eat. They just don't move a lot. So it's like, generally speaking, now there obviously there's exceptions to this rule, but generally speaking, if you find one smallmouth during the wintertime, you'll find a shit ton of them. Right. So... And you can really do some damage on them, as far as like it's a good thing the season's closed because, man, you could you could decimate a population pretty fast because they do school up real tight.
2: Right. And uh, yeah, it'd be that'd be a super fun video. So maybe just get a hold of me sometime this uh, this winter here, and we yeah, can, uh... we'll
1: talk when I feel like I want to take a break from pre-fishing and scouting and i just need to go have some fun we'll, we'll set something up that'd be a pretty fun video to make so well i know yeah. you got to get going uh i gotta get going so i appreciate you coming on the show um yeah, give everybody me. your social medias and how they can get a hold of you
2: so on youtube it's just straight hamel outdoors instagram it's Outdoors underscore um facebook is hamel outdoors and then tiktok is hamel outdoors one because um i couldn't Hamill Outdoors was taken from somebody so <laughs> that was that, that was unfortunate but uh, uh, yeah just go subscribe to the channel go check me out I'm uh, constantly uploading videos trying to grow the brand so uh, <clears throat> yeah go check me out.
1: That's awesome alright real quick before we go real old, two rapid fire questions what's your favorite fish to catch not not for just you personally doesn't it not for YouTube not for anything just like what's your favorite fish
2: smallmouth bass
1: and what's your favorite thing to hunt whitetails. Alright
2: a Bow hung? Hung, oh, yeah. I boy. used to hunt when I was little, but now I've switched to strictly bow hunt so.
1: Nice, nice. Very well. All right, Carter, appreciate you coming on. Uh this was great. We'll do it again.
2: Alright, sounds good, Dale. Thanks for having you me. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye bye.